Welcome to Happy Times and Places, a positively inclined Doctor Who episode commentary podcast. I, Toby Haydock, ask a friend to choose a Doctor Who story. I then watch it, try and tell you some facts and jolly you along, but also see if I can guess what my guest's favourite thing about each episode is. Hello, uh, my name's Stephen Hatcher. Uh, I'm the uh, coordinator of the Hoover's Doctor Who group based in Derby. And for the last 11 years, uh, I've been the organiser of the Hooverville Convention. Toby, what I've got for you is the Sea Devils. Well, it's been a long time (laughs) under the sea for me, uh, because I have been watching the Sea Devils sort of on, I think, uh, two episodes, in two episode batches um, over a couple of very, very exciting weeks in the world of Doctor Who. So I started watching this because the legends of the Sea Devils were in the air. Literally, the story, The Legend of the Sea Devils, was on air. Um, And by the time I finished... So actually, there's been quite a gap, hasn't there? Um, We've got a new Doctor Who, an old Doctor Who, and Doctor Who is all over the place, and people are talking in great many cases often a lot of nonsense about it um but uh it's uh, i mean i put on facebook the other day uh, i dipped into doctor who twitter uh, and then four seconds later decided probably won't be doing that again um um all i i would say i guess to people is um don't worry <laughs> it'll be fine um anyway I've I've actually been one of the reasons for the delay with this is because I've been I've been writing an indefinable magic and um, the the tight quite time consuming at the best of times indefinable magic is a, another strand of these uh, podcasts if you're just dipping into to this one um, and um, yeah it's taken I spent quite a lot of time on it and I'm still not sure it's right <laughs> and I, I disappeared down a rabbit hole of and all sorts of thoughts and ideas and uh, then realized oh um the 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 people who are watching the sea devils alongside me have got the the last episode i watched which means i better watch the other two um so this is what i'm doing so this is very close to the wire uh, i mean it's almost live i should do a live stream once i've worked out the how to do that right anyway we are going to we did actually once, I was, I was talking to Dan Hall um, when he was in charge of the DVD range and it was convivial, it was a sort of dinnery type thing. And uh, I suggested doing a live commentary, you know, um, on stage or something like that in front of an audience. And he, I think he rang somebody up and said, yeah, let's, you know, or, or made a note of it or whatever. And it seemed like oh, something I made as an off-the-cuff suggestion might happen, but actually it, uh, it, it never did. I mean, they've done them at conventions and stuff, but I meant for a you know, for a for a DVD, because you feed off the audience and stuff like that. But I think you do get a slightly different product. And as I say, you can do those at conventions, so you should really do on a on a disc what you can't do at conventions. Anyway, why am I you, you don't why what's that? Who cares about that? Why am I talking about that? Let's talk about Doctor Who and the Sea Devils. We're gonna watch from the beginning and we're gonna press play or select or however we're gonna do it on episode six, beginning in three, two one. Um, so I gave you some Martin body facts last week, but there's another one that's lingering in my head, and it's something about 
oh, it's something. It's something. And when I, when he tells me, I'll go, oh, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I might have to email him after this. Uh, that's Ian Hogg I'm talking about. Josiah from Ghostlight, who is a friend of Martin Body, who plays Walker, the annoying politician, in this. But this is... Uh, so, Captain Hart here, Edwin Richfield, Mestor. He's also in two of the Quatermass films. Lived not far from me when I was growing up, but I never had the pleasure. Uh, I think he popped... that. that oh, now that's different to the cliffhanger. That's a different shot. Uh, I like the way it smacks its head against the wall. Oh, Pertwee, you are so good at fighting monsters. Oh, yeah, that's the good thing. Of <laughs> That's the lovely gag of... I wish he wouldn't go, and he's not, it's not quite... Yeah, it's. Uh, he'd have been very good in the pre-title sequence for um, Rise of the Cybermen, wouldn't he? The way, the way he lets one side of his mouth go. Um, they've, the, the, the master looks quite sort of dwarfed by the, them as well, so either they're very tall or maybe Delgado wasn't hugely tall. But I, I love the, yeah, the gag of, you know, Pertwee dispatches two and goes, well, that's taken care of those two monsters, but he, he hasn't... Will you never learn... Uh, he's, uh, you know, he hasn't noticed the one behind him who knocks him out. I love all this footage of the Sea Devils, and this is what you want. And this, this is, you know, makes a virtue of uh, uh, of of the tease early on. Um, you know, we're not withholding the monster. I like the way he shoved the the naval ratings there. They're quite not very nice, uh, nice guards, are they? The Sea Devils, and those are obviously those real naval people going. You're gonna have to. You're gonna have to imagine you've been captured by enemy combatants to get the, you know, the acting, the acting out. But but it's these these men dressed as monsters. Good for them. I bet they had a right laugh. Um, no, I'm looking at the sea devil's eyes. They really work. I think they're fantastic. They are. They're like fish eyes. Um, so they don't need to blink. Um, I, I like. <laughs> I love the per the pertwee neck neck stroke with finger. Uh, it's a nice little bit of uh, business that he has. Um, so, yes, here's Awful Walker, who's a friend of uh, friend of Ian Hogg's and was a very fascinating fellow, uh, Martin Body, although he does a strange thing in this episode where it, it, it looks like he's dancing with a sea devil whilst pretending to have a moustache. I don't quite know. It's just one of those bits that doesn't quite... that. You know what, what? What? Whatever the actors decided to do, it doesn't quite um, match in realization. Uh, perhaps how, how they? I, I bet he looked, watched it back and went, "Oh no, that's not what I meant to do. I meant to just put my hand up in shock." Now it looks like I'm pretending to have a moustache. Um, I'm doing. Um, I'm doing all hail the great architect or whatever. Um, I, 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 I like how he's being so. Uh, He's being so craven, uh, but but trying to be sort of... Dig He's good casting because he looks exactly right. Let <laughs> promise you no. <laughs> and I love the fact that because Captain Hart is, is you know, he, he's his boss, really. He has to be kind of like, do you mind, sir? Rather than, oi, effort. You know, nowadays, you would probably just have somebody tell him to go you know shove his beak up his ass but uh i i quite i quite like this stuff from these days where 
you know you have to respect the position I, 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 because then you have to be a bit more imaginative in the way that you tell people to shut up or sod off or insult them um, there is something to be said about etiquette because it's the undermining of it that makes it much more effective than than you know just being able to say anything to anybody so that's why I quite like a bit of uh, you know yes decorum and etiquette partially because um, you have to think of inventive ways to undermine it um, Oh, this is oh yes, it's in this episode where they have the bit, don't they? Where the, the sort of alarm goes. The the the, the doctor sets rigs a de, the device, doesn't he, to send out a signal that makes the sea devils um, sort of clutch their ears, and the master doesn't notice for about half an hour. Uh, <laughs> that's uh, a joy to come. Uh, it's a nice set. Uh, this I I can you know those those brick walls. I can feel those brick walls painted with the blanco. Um, and look at the way that the master, the master eyes the doctor. He's sort of, you know, he's got the sort of sincere thing of going, yeah, you know what you're doing here, but there's a slight, and I'm just, uh, I'm just not sure about you. I, I love Roger Delgado's performance. Um, ventilation shaft, a round of applause for the ventilation shaft, that great uh, staple of Doctor Who where small female companions are, shoved into a essentially a corridor in the sky corridor in the roof and uh after oh the music's gone a bit comedy now oh i like joe's shoes um but yeah joe has been excellent in this Some, somebody pointed out in uh in uh in in the in the feedback in the you know the back and forth we have uh on patreon i don't i don't mean to keep mentioning patreon this isn't an advert um uh, that was quite a nice match, actually, from from that, you know, uh, against what would have just been a little bit of wall in studio uh, to their coming out. That was nice because the lighting was nice. It was just simple and it and it and it set the illusion. Um, I really like Joe's outfit, um, but but Joe's been brilliant in this because she rescues the doctor. Um, she does the bit where she gets the boat off Robbins uh, and she's uh, she's capering about the base now and. Uh, uh, she's uh, she's she's very plucky. Uh, she's in the thick of the action. Uh, great story for Joe. Katie Manning is adorable. Um, and forget this. Joe is. I, th I think because Joe is such a good character, but it doesn't seem like she's not an art, as as big a character as some. You know, the Second Doctor is a great character, and it's a great piece of character acting. Um, but but. Joe, because because the performance of Joe is not quite so. Um, so sort of big in a way that you know the character of Joe is not as big a character as as the second Doctor. You sort of think, oh well, that just must be what the actress is like. But actually, I mean, she doesn't even talk like Katie Manning. They don't even have the same timbre of voice. It actually is a character performance. It's just it's so good it's so complete but without being showy and i don't mean that Troughton's showy but it that, that, that is a big characterization that Troughton does of the, the sort of overgrown schoolboy whereas and joe has lots to recommend her as a character but um you know it's not like she's she's not putting a hump on or she's not putting on a, a, a an accent although she as i say she 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 is putting on a voice but it doesn't it doesn't seem like she is um so you sort of think, oh, Joe and Casey Manning are actually the same, and they're not remotely. Well, no, they are a bit, but but they're, it, it, it is very much a characterisation. 
Uh, and I think we forget that, or I forget that sometimes. Um, just because Joe is, you know, you Joe doesn't come apart at the seams ever. She's she's absolutely. Oh, this is the bit where this is the bit where the, I mean, there's all this going on, and it's really brilliantly filmed and the nice cutting. Uh, that's quite Michael Ferguson actually. Those those cutting at, of the machinery at the different angle and the sea devils, and so uh, this is so this is all going on. Joe has time to get Captain Hart out. Uh, Walk has time to do. This is the bit where he does the moustache. Look at that. What's that? I, I think he's just putting his hand to his mouth in terror. And then, of course, that's the brilliant gaff that instead of being brave, he, he just shuts himself back in the cupboard. I think that's hilarious. Uh, and then Captain Hart's going to get to do some real actually stuff. But this is all going on. And the master is still supposedly in that room with the doctor going, I, 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 I shouldn't, what, what's, uh, am I going to notice yet? So because we can't see the master, he's sort of, out of sight and out of mind, but it, I think it doesn't quite work. Sorry, I know this is happy times and places, and I'm loving Edwin Richfield uh, in a hovercraft with a with a gun <laughs> shooting lizards. Brilliant, love it. Uh, and of course, some of the lizards do a somersault. I think, especially if they're played by Stuart Fell, or only if they're played by Stuart Fell, because um, I think he's the gymnast. I love it. Look at that hovercraft. That looks amazing again. Watching Doctor Who in the 70s, that must have been the equivalent of a million dollars. It's a fantastic piece of kit. And then look at it. Whoa, hurtling out to sea. This is great. With, and you know, you know it's not stock footage because it's got Joe and Edwin Richfield in it. Um, and the master is still standing there. Switch the power off, he says. Well, and, the, and, and it's not like there hasn't been a sea devil with them in the room that whole time. So what? This is the master just doing his crossword. <laughs> or are we supposed to think that no, because it had to give them time to do all of that. So literally he was standing there whilst they got out of the room, went to get that gun, went into the hovercraft, shot a few sea devils. Blah. Yeah, that, that, I, I, I mean, bless it. But that that is one of those moments that there's no point trying to cover up. Um, although sometimes when I say things like this, um, somebody will then write in and go, oh, yeah, but what about this? And I'll go, oh, yeah, I've thought about this loads. And that hasn't occurred to me. So always have an open mind, I would say, because quite often I'll say something will go, oh, I don't quite make sense of that. And as I say, uh, all it takes is somebody with a different perspective who, who has a very simple solution. Um Uh, and, and and there's actually some nice humour in that that he spares the doctor. He says he might well prove useful, but uh, and of course that now in in certain dynamics that would just be bad writing because you go well what you know he of course you'd kill your arch enemy who's the only person that with the wherewithal to destroy these creatures. Oh, he's got a couple of little buttons on his cloak now on on film. The chief sea devil. I'm sure he didn't have those in studio. studio. His his cloak's marvellous on film. Actually, I think that's quite a funky cloak on on film. He said, "I don't think he's quite as well dressed in the studio, the uh, the, the the chief sea devil." But um, the master sparing the doctor on this, of course, is a great joke because the doctor knows how to use the equipment, and the master isn't quite sure. But he's sort of going, "Yeah, yeah, no, keep him alive. It might prove useful." <laughs> now, this is all. I mean, I'm I shouldn't I shouldn't like this. I like things that are cerebral and clever and uh, satirical and work on several levels. I do also quite like soldiers charging about with guns shooting monsters i'm sorry about that everybody that's cracking um but i you know i know it's i'm not a violent man. no it's all right i like watching yeah 
things like this. It's Doctor Who. I can't. I, I'm not going to apologise. Um, and when one falls off a roof, I like it even more. Uh, and I think that's going to happen. Yeah, because I always worry that he's going to hit that girder that's sticking out, whatever that is. Uh, so yeah, you go bang, and uh, I mean that's a fall, but that's also a fall where if you, you know, if if you don't time that right, you get a girder. And then I quite like the fact that it does a sort of death grimace, a death squirm as you see it land on the floor, which is obviously a cut from a different angle, but it's just. Little bits of attention to detail to make the action, you know, rather more fun and funky. Uh, uh, so there's all, yeah, all these sea devils dying horribly. I like that one that sort of fired on the floor in death. Um, and I remember in the book, and I remember Doctor Who magazine. Uh, oh, yes, because um, it's the chief sea devil that dies here, I think, isn't it? Because um, this is, yeah, Myers. Um, so it's the chief in the book that uh, it says something like the chief sea devil's words were interrupted by a bullet fired by one CPO Myers entered its brain and bloody bloody blah, blah, blah. I remember Doc Two magazine talking about how you know another writer would have just said CPO Myers uh, walked in and shot the chief chief sea devil um, but but the way it is in the book as I say it's something like you know its thought was its its voice was stopped by its brain yeah the the bullet entering its brain and this is John Caesar. Um, which I think is a great name, and you think, oh, that's a very uncommon name. He'll be easy to find stuff about. Then actually, there's loads of... And there's a Johnny Caesar, who was an actor in Emmerdale Farm. It's a different actor. But this John Caesar, he'd been a monoid uh, man in market in Rome and uh, and a walk-on in in other stuff as well. Um, So, yeah, John Caesar. um, But, yeah, I'd have thought Caesar was quite an uncommon name, but actually it's not. Um, And John, of course, isn't. Um, Yeah. but yes, I'm sure in the book, it's Myers comes in and kills the chief sea devil. Um, uh, whereas a lot of them seem to have these buttons on in this one. Or are they just wearing the, the chief sea devil's costume? Anyway, so we haven't seen the chief die, have we? Um, uh, and the master's off. Oh, we did Because we did see one with buttons fall over, you know go over a railing um but anyway uh yes i'm gonna keep an eye out to see maybe we see this chief sea devil later i cannot remember um i haven't watched this in an awfully long time i when i when i yeah when i watched this before i got to episode four um when i watched it in preparation for this and i thought i'd leave a couple of them as a surprise and now i'm regretting that because i'm supposed to be giving informed commentary but uh i remember derek where telling me that he'd done some of this i think uh because uh, roger delgado was uh, so there's a ch- now there's a chief sea devil with the with the cloak on but as i say i think the chief is sometimes doubling as as all of the others but no that's definitely a chief i think that cloak looks really good on film and going into the sea that makes for a, a great sort of silhouette uh, i love the chief sea devil's cloak on film um, never really noticed it before. Now I'm very drawn to it. But I think I think Derek Ware did some of this, but Roger Delgado also does some. Um, but but uh, Derek, uh, that's definitely Derek. Yeah, um, Derek said that you know Roger Delgado was was quite frightened of the of the water, and uh, Pertwee was at pains to point out that you know he was. Uh, uh, I'm sure Pertwee says in his book. You know, yeah, he was he was he was very timid about the water. Um, bless him. Uh, but this is great. All of this stuff. 
But yes, the master's looking back a lot and away from camera. Uh, and then we do a clever cut, don't we? Because uh, he's waited. Um, and yeah, oh, and his head's at exactly the same angle, but and his hair's slightly wet. Well done, everybody. Uh, and yes, look, it's the little... I love the little... Uh, this is what we put you in to take you uh, under, you know, under to our base. This the, the 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 yellow submarine. It's a yellow submarine. Um, the master's hair was wet as well. I, that was convincing, but that was yeah. That that wasn't him on the. Even if it wasn't Derek, where it was, you know, it it wasn't Roger Delgado. Um, but I know Derek was about. Um, so yes, so so the doctor and the master get recaptured away from the base. Of course they do, because they get taken down. And of course the chief sea devil is still alive, because they've got all that stuff to do back in uh, Sea Devilsville. Uh, beneath the sea um and of course you know yeah uh, walker walker becomes the warmonger and malcolm holt gets to to make his points about i mean i have to say the sea devils oh, well i was gonna say actually the sea devils oh i like the way he's folding his arms going yeah what is it um i was gonna say the sea devils aren't quite as um peace potentially peace loving as the uh, the Silurians, but they are. That was what all of episode five was about. Uh, the 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 Doctor talking to the Sea Devil, who seemed, you know, quite keen on the idea of living in peace. And it was only with the, it was only with the, you know, the the depth charges that uh, that made them go. Actually, you know, let's let's kill the humans. And I like the fact that the Doctor, the Doctor there tries, and and Pert was very sincere. I'm sorry, you know, it it, it, it is. You know, he will blow up the monsters and Doctor Who does blow up the monsters more often than we sometimes would like to admit if we want to think of the Doctor as this liberal guy who reads books and only kills when he really, really has to. Um, but here, uh, it's, you know, here it's one of those, uh, uh, you know, he did give them the opportunity and then when they said, you know, they said no, he was he was a bit sad and a bit sorry. And uh, he's reversed the penality of the neutron flow. The first time it is said in Doctor Who, and it's not said that often. Uh, in fact, it's not said again, is it, till the five Doctors? Um, but it became that cliche, didn't it? Uh, that that's what the Doctor always said. But it was certainly a line that John Pertwee liked. Uh, and of course, you know, the Sea Devils have now gone for all-out war. They've even turned turned on their I've reversed the polarity of the neutron flow. <laughs> I wonder if Steve Hatcher will choose that as his favourite thing. It is just one of those lovely, lovely things of Doctor Who, isn't it? That we, that, you know, to, 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 to a certain, to a certain strata of Doctor Who fans, uh, quite near, you know, nerd core, uh, <laughs> core nerd. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, we know re reverse the polarity of the neutral flow. Not just that it's the line in the Sea Devils, uh, but it's the line that you know John Pert we talked about and Terence Dix talked about, and it and it it, res it you know it stands for a certain uh, little thing that makes us give a little grin in uh, in, in in you know Do Doctor Who lore, if you like. And isn't the Doctor very brave going, well, you know, I'll, I'll blow us up for the greater good. Have I talked about Alec Wallace? I don't know if I have. Um, 
because there's so much to talk about this, Alec Wallace playing leading telegraphist Bowman, uh, who uh, Michael Bryant, I'm sure, thought of as very good at operating a radio because he's also Warner in episode one of Revenge of the Cybermen, where that's pretty much all he does is sit at a desk uh, and talk uh, through my, you know, talk to somebody at the other end of a line, listen, listen to incoming information uh, and talk talk to somebody um but uh yeah so he he does a couple of doc twos and they're both they're both michael bryant ones uh very nice uh when a director likes you and uses you more than once um yeah why well, i hope you poisoned them um uh jane who gets a little bit less to I, I, yes i didn't talk enough about her um little sort of comedy bits with Walker in episode five, which I rather liked. And she, uh, she, you know, she gave as good as she got within the confines of her rank. Uh, oh, that's nice that, yes. So Joe has a little bit of a moment there with Captain Hart and Captain Hart likes our heroes enough to just do one quick pass, uh, which gets, oh, so this is where you can't cheat the shot of Delgado where he's in the water. And I think, you know, Pertwee said that this was, this was where Delgado was particularly, you know, you know, brave, but not brave. I think in his book he says, what was brave about Roger was that he was an absolute coward. He was really scared. Uh, so it's a kind of Pertwee compliment, really. Um, but, you know, good for him because, I mean, that would have been not nice as well. That's going to be cold. But I do love the, uh, I do love the gear. You know, that's pretty cool gear and well done. Delgado and I like the fact that you know Pertwee sort of shoves him in as well because it just shows that Pertwee is sort of confident and capable in in any environment really he can just you know you you chuck Pertwee in anywhere he's game he'll do it and that's uh you know I think we sometimes take that for granted in our in our leading actor but um you know not all of them could and, and Pertwee you know, I think Pertwee, you could very... I know he could, but I think he could be quite tricky. And uh, and I think he was more worried about the acting sometimes than, than some of the others um, because he wasn't used to drama acting. But... Um, uh, and that's quite a convincing thing as well because there's something about a heart attack in Doctor Who that you go, oh, hang on, that seems really realistic because you're used to people sort of being blown up and falling off buildings, but, but somebody dying of a heart attack, it's not... It's not quite you go oh that's a that's a bit of a sort of reality has suddenly imposed itself upon proceedings and therefore it seems sort of a bit stark and a bit real um yes and, and this is a nice now we know that that's not uh that that's the master and and not and not the doctor, but we still get the drama because Joe doesn't know, so it gives you leading actress a bit of acting to do. Now, even though the pressure's off for us because we know it, it's still it still you know feeds into the the drama and the emotion. It's lovely. It's lovely. Um, you know, it's filling the screen with you know impact. Um, so yeah, we've seen the master collapse, uh, which uh, because it's the doctor that's blown up, so they didn't have to drop the depth charges. So. So actually, the doctor could have sort of had his cake and eaten it. He could have escaped and let the navy blow them up. Um, and apparently, I know that a lot of the the naval guys liked Edwin Richfield because I think he he knew what he was doing with the, the is it the Akat gun uh, and all of that. Um, I I now 
I mean, that, yeah, that's a that's a that's an actual naval guy who gets that line. Yeah, I, I don't know where the master does he. I mean, does he just have? So yeah, these are these aren't extras. These are I don't think these, these are equity members. I think they've uh, co-opted a couple of uh, naval guys into doing those bits. Um, uh, I I don't know where the master does. He just have a couple of masks in his pocket in case he needs to shove one on somebody's face. I mean, it's one of those things that we just sort of go, you know, let's let's pretend that that silly nest in. But I mean, it's a key. It's a key element to his escaping. But you sort of go. I mean, if I think about that for a second, doesn't quite. Work. As I say, somebody will write in now and I go, no, no, no. It's a, he does this, that, the other. Um, but uh, oh, uh, John sees that. Yeah, well, I suppose he, he couldn't go anywhere else uh, because the others were all paired. Um, talking about positioning on the credits now. Uh, that it's a funny old ending, isn't it? Because it's lots of sort of action, really, and then it's quite. Um, it ends quite abruptly, really. Um, but after lots and lots of lovely action by Havoc. Um, oh, Sylvia James did the makeup. Tony Millier did the sound. Uh, I've had the pleasure of interviewing both of those good people. Um, so, yeah, it's a funny old episode because it's, it's the kind of, it's the money episode, isn't it? Um, you know, we've, we've been in the studio a bit for, for the middle episodes and... Uh, they go well. Let's let's go out with a bang with uh, some lovely footage of, um, of of dying monsters and guns and explosions for the child who takes up a lot of space within me. Um, so I'm going to work backwards on this. What am I? Because I've got to choose a favourite thing from episode six, and I've got to choose a favourite overall thing. And I have been waiting for this moment. Because my fa a, a, a favorite, a, a sort of favorite bonus thing, and my bonus thing is the cliffhangers. I think the cliffhangers in the Sea Devils are all excellent. The first one, I think, because received wisdom, the way that we're wired to expect these things is, oh, it'll be a close up of the monster's face, and you actually get that before the cliffhanger, and then you get this sort of trick cliffhanger where, if you think about it for a second, you go. Oh no, that's that's Declan Mulholland breathing heavily, but it's really well shot. It's sudden. It sort of crashes in, uh, and it's it's and it's just it's basically a man staggering towards the room the doctor's in. But the way that it's done, and if you're a kid, you know you might go, Oh no, I think it's I think it must be the guy, uh, and you then give yourself bonus points as a kid for working it out. Um, uh, then the one with the knife flying through the air is great after a virtuoso sort of piece of comedy action. Um, that's that's really well done by the two leads who you can absolutely watch doing that stuff all day and then you get that knife thrown it's like, oh that's brilliant really inventive piece of uh, camera um, uh, episode what's episode three um, episode four is uh, oh episode three is the sea devil rising from the sea yes please what an image uh, you've got the minefield there as well, so the Doctor's cut off because you've got the Master up there, the cliffs, the sea, so it's making use of the location. Uh, it's an iconic image. Um, it's a wonderful creature design. Ah, uh, oh, beautiful, gorgeous, and it's beautifully shot. Beautifully shot. And then episode four is just, oh, so simple, yet yeah, so brilliant. 
Um, you know, Joe sticks her head in after... Ca- yeah, actually, Edwin Richfield deserves some credit as well because he does grim face very well. That's a certain uh, acting thing that you have to do occasionally, grim face. Uh, he does grim face very well, and then Joe goes in and... Whoa. And then episode six is, yeah, Doctor threatened by a monster, but it just, again... Uh, episode five, sorry, but it's 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 certainly the weakest of them all, but it's still a really good, it's, you know, it's a tip-top example of its kind. And that's partially because the base constituents are so good. So my bonus thing is the cliffhangers, which leaves me um, episode six's favourite thing. Um, and I think I have to say just the action. You know, the fact that they give a lot of this episode over to lots of inventive ways of sea devils blowing up and somersaulting and falling off things. And it's, you know, as I say, it's the it's the it's the money shots. It's the you know, it's the action packed finale. And that's exactly what they go for. And all the smoke on the beach and um, all of that. Yeah. Love it. So uh, sea devil, deathy, actiony action by havoc, but with added lizardry um is my favorite thing for episode six and part of that is edwin richfield being so good charging about as captain hart i like i like edwin richfield he's uh I, i'm not sure i've mentioned him enough during the commentary because uh, again he's uh sort of yeah he's one of those actors that could just do that stuff that so well that we just sort of take for granted uh, which is why you know it's such a blissful landscape to cross all of this um uh, you know 70s television oh i love it it takes me to a happy place. Let's see if it's taken Steve Hatcher to a happy place. What's his favourite thing about episode six? And what is his bonus thing? For the final episode, episode six, I'm going to pick on something again that is there all the way through the story. The absolutely fantastic cast that Michael Bryant, Michael E. Bryant, put together for this story. I've already mentioned Clive Morton as, as Trenchard. Uh, Edwin Richfield as Captain Hart. Donald Sumter as the submarine captain, Royston Tickner as uh, in a very small role as the uh, as the boatman um, who who takes them out to the the sea fort uh, to the castle of Big Button at the beginning. Uh, fine actor Royston Tickner uh, who who was in so many programs in the uh, and films in the fifties, sixties, seventies. He was, he was a, an ever present it seems. Uh, another one in a similar state as Declan Mulholland. Uh, who is one of the very short-lived uh, men on the uh, on the on the sea fort? Who uh, is is uh, attacked in the the Sea Devil's first appearance in the story? Declan Mulholland, of course, who later went on to be, uh, or to to nearly be, to not quite be, the original Jabba the Hutt in Star Wars. He uh, he played the role, and then <laughs> then it was the, his seeds were cut out. Ah, poor Declan Mulholland. But there we go. Uh, uh, towering above these, of course, is, is, as I've said before, the mighty Delgado, who is at his absolute peak in this story. He is sinister, he is manipulating, he is funny, uh, sitting there watching uh, the clangers. Uh, terrific class, uh, terrific cast all the way through this. Now, my extra little thing that I've come up with uh, is, I, I think, quite an obvious one, really. Malcolm Clark's music. Uh what I absolutely love about the music in The Sea Devils is you never quite know whether you're listening to music or sound effects, particularly with the Master's BP Worry Machine and the sounds of the Sea Devils guns and the strange sounds in the 
the Sea Devil base, uh, the submarine. There's, there's, all the settings are places where you would expect to hear odd sounds. And my, we don't have to get some odd sounds. But are those odd sounds what our characters are hearing or are they part of the music? You're never quite sure in this story. Um, it's uh, it's a, an incidental score that is totally different from anything else that is heard anywhere else in Doctor Who. It's instantly recognisable and it's absolutely wonderful. And those are my things from the Sea Devils. Uh, Toby, I hope you enjoy watching it again. I look forward to hearing what you've got to say about the story. And thanks so much again for asking me to take part in this. It really has been an absolute privilege. Bye. Oh, that's lovely. Um, well, a, f a few things there. Um, obviously, well, the cast. I mean, yes. Um, I mean, I could talk about the cast forever and probably did for much of the six episodes. Um, I always try and veer away from that because I think it's so obvious for me to do. But of course, it's not obvious for anyone because all I ever do is wang on about actors and be sad that they're dead. Um, I mean, I mean, if I had a pound for every time I did that, I'd have retired long ago. But I'm glad Steve liked the cast, and it is an excellent cast. I think Royston Tickner was also in The Keep, the Michael Mann film. So he's going to, because he said, you know, Steve said 56, 70 years ago, he was in a modern film, of course. <laughs> I suspect The Keep with Michael Mann's film is not a modern film anymore, but it's what I consider to be a modern film. <laughs> These talkies, uh, newfangled. Um, uh, but yeah, good, good, uh, good that... Um, Steve picked out the cast and and yes some of the the, the less obvious ones. Um, thanks for that, Steve. And I said plenty about the cast, and I do think it is a is a uniformly very strong cast. As I say, right down to you know I love I love Colin Bell, um, Eric Mason. You know these are some of these are one scene characters. Um, uh, you know and then. Uh, you know, right up to the top. Yeah, you got. I mean, when you've got, when you've got Donald Sumter in a in a sort of, you know, the the guest leads, uh, uh, Clive Morton and Edwin Richfield. So when you've got, you know, Donald Sumter providing you with a bit of ballast, uh, you you know, you're in a you're in a good place. Um, and yes, Roger Delgado. It's, it's. I mean, I could just wax lyrical about him whenever he's on the screen. He is so good. Um, it's it's such an intelligent performance. But, but also quite naturalistic within the confines of what it does obviously it's a it's it's a performance of a certain type of a certain um, you know dignity and composure and precision uh, but 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 it's never unbelievable um, even though he, you know he's doing some quite sort of moustache twirling villainous things. I, I, it's still totally committed and totally believable. I love Delgado. I mean, I think, I still think he's my favourite master. Although I, I did love what Michelle Gomez did with with Missy. I thought they did they they were very clever with the, the way that they showed the master as an absolute psychopath. You know, um, and I I like I, I mean I you know I'm not a rejecter of the modern. I think Sasha Dewan has done a, a terrific job again as a sort of slightly unhinged harlequin that he is it's and it but he's you know he's he's got a he's got a seam of you know viciousness about him but he's also really likable so but i i just think for just the elegance and the menace and the fact that you 
the, the fact that he's so cold and horrible and yet you he's so I nearly swore again charming it's such a brilliant brilliant combination i i love delgado i really do um uh and he chose malcolm clark's music did steve now that's interesting because i talked about it stop saying interesting you tiresome man um that's me um i've got to think of a different word to say um or if I do it, to not obsess about it and wang on about it and make it even worse, which I've just done and then uh, uh, um, deconstructed to really hammer home the point that I'm trying to avoid. <sighs> so um, the music, it is a distinctive part of it. I'd heard and read so much about the Sea Devil score, the first full-length score, I think it used to say in Doctor Who magazine. And as I say, when I got... When I got the album and I played it, I'd got a very old record player that I bought in a 50-50 auction. It's a thing you have in the countryside in the middle of nowhere in the 1980s. Uh, and I, I bought it, I think I bought it for a pound. I think I bought it for a pound. And it was a sort of closed record player. Uh, but it had, it when you turned the volume up, it sort of went... And actually the turntable didn't go around. And then a friend of mine who's clever, um, a sort of handyman, so he's older than me, but... Um, but he used to come and do odd jobs for us, but he befriended me. Nice, very nice chap. Still a friend, Derek. Um, he just said, oh, just put some margarine on it. Because I was like, I bought this thing and it doesn't work. And put margarine on it, it worked fine. But because it went <laughs> when you turn the volume up and it stopped making that noise when you, you know, alighted on where you wanted to be. When I put the, the, the needle on, and I went, <laughs> I thought, oh, there's something. No, it's the speakers. That's That's a malfunction. I didn't for a second think it was music. Uh, I thought it was on at the wrong speed because this one had 16 and 78. I think I might have said some of this in earlier episodes. Um, and it is quite a... I've, been, I've actually been doing it. I was doing... We were lounging around the other morning and I started going... She went, what are you doing? I went, instantly music to the sea devils. But actually, within there were some bits there that I pointed out, wasn't I? That were quite sort of bubbly and and they do have that sort of slight strange echo. I like the bit that goes that that uh, that, that that it is you know it, it is evocative of the bottom of the sea. It's an intelligent. It's not just random noise. It is trying to suggest the sort of inky depths and the echoing of the the chambers that the sea devils exist in underneath the you know the deep dark ocean and i think it really works so much better within the story than it does as a record and of course it does because it was designed to be incidental music for a television program not something a teenager should be listening to in his bedroom which should have been altogether funkier and full of a bit more loving um and yet i didn't choose it as one of my things which maybe speaks volumes but maybe that's because it had kind of, you know, its place in in my psyche is it's it's that racket on that record, and and it's always through that filter that I that I you know take it when I'm watching the story because I do think it works when I've thought about it here doing this you know in the moments where it works in the stories I think it works it works very well but I didn't choose it and the proof of the pudding is in in the eating and I'm I'm not unhappy as I sometimes am with my choice I'm you know I think I like Walker's mouth I like the 
the cliffhangers. I, I, you know, I did the first thing I thought of when I thought, what do I love about episode six is squirming, falling, tumbling sea devils on a beach. Um, and all the things I chose in the previous episodes, I'm, I'm more than happy with. So I'm sorry, Malcolm Clark, because it is a special, you know, it is a bit of a landmark in Doctor Who in many ways because it what it represents to fans of a certain age who experienced it in, in certain ways. I'm interested to see what perhaps younger fans who, you know, just come and watch the story as does the music to the Sea Devils, you know, hold any particular, um, have any particular emphasis for you or is it just another score like any other? Because it is, it is slightly, it exists within its own, its own sort of sphere, really. Um, for, 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 I think for my generation, I cannot speak for my generation, but I, but I, as I, you know, when I do talk to people, it seems, you know, it seems we have similar experiences. Um, also, this has been nice is to connect with Steve. Steve recorded that when this podcast. I think I don't think I put any out um, because I, you know, I contacted a lot of people because you don't know how long people will take. So poor old Steve has waited ages to hear this. Uh, and I'm in touch with Steve on Facebook. He's a Facebook friend. And I'm, I'm, I'm uh, so, you know, you know, people are sort of, you know, contactable. And I'm sure we've exchanged messages about this, that and the other. Um, but it's actually really nice to, to connect and remind yourself, go, we, even though we didn't have a conversation, he, I'm, I'm, I'm responding to a video he recorded to, probably before COVID. No, because these were launched during COVID. But, you know, a, a while ago um, when, you know, when Shuti Gatwa was just that bloke, I've said, well, that wasn't a while ago. That was only two weeks ago. Um, but, yeah, uh, a while ago when Jodie Whittaker was quite new. Um but uh, I got a real effect, you know, a real affection for for Steve. They're going, oh yeah, I, you know, that's really interesting hearing his stuff, and um, it's nice talking to Steve, even though we weren't actually talking. And uh, it's nice to connect, isn't it? And it's nice to hear um, other fans being positive in perhaps ways that you might not be. Um, and I was, you know, I was won over by, um, you know, his commitment to what I'd asked him to do here, and uh, the wholeheartedness with which he you know, explained his likes and I felt kinship with a fellow Doc2 fan and a, yeah, very nice, uh, nice man. So we are a, you know, we are a community. Um, and uh, I think sometimes because we all connect on social media, we, we forget that we can connect in other ways. God, that sounded a bit mawkish. I didn't mean it to. I just meant it was really nice to see Steve and I enjoyed hearing what he had to say. And I like the fact that there are people like that in my life. Um, who aren't necessarily people that I, you know, uh, are people I go to the pub with or, or go for dinner with or, or phone up for a chat or anything like that. But, that you know, I'm I'm but but is there and, and maybe it's a reminder that we should connect with people a bit more than we do, because that is different to just dropping someone line or a thumbs up on Messenger or a, or a, a heart on their tweet. Anyway, before I descend into um I can't think of a better word than mawkishness, which is why I used it first time around. So don't shut up now, Toby. Right. So thanks for watching The Sea Devils. I hope wherever you are is a happy time and place. And um, it's really exciting being a Doctor Who fan in the present with all the news that's coming out. But this has been a great reminder to me. As I say, this was never top of my list of stories. I've just dipped into a story that was always one that I'd quite enjoyed, but, you know, never write home about particularly. And I have loved pretty much every minute of it. 
perhaps not that two and a half minutes. Well, no, I love the two and a half minutes of Captain Hart and Joe charging outside and doing all their business. I didn't like the two and a half minutes we didn't see of the master just standing there reading. I just finished this chapter before I check what the doctor's doing. I was standing next to him and there's a sea devil with its hands clasped behind its ears. Oh, I like the way the sea devil recovered, by the way, where it sort of stood up straight and then back towards the door. Anyway, um, shut up, Toby. It was all great, except for that bit that we couldn't see. But that's maybe it was wise that we didn't see it. Lots. Action. Great film. Fantastic monsters. Top cast. Per- the, the regulars, Pertwee Manning and Delgado, on absolutely top form. Uh, a writer with something to say. Uh, interesting soundscape. A slight different vista for the for the time period because you know the the, the sea and all that naval equipment just really sort of you know buff up and uh, give it a give a bit of variety to an era that I I sometimes worry that we that I think is all a bit too similar. Michael Bryant, terrific director, um, so much to talk about. I hope I did in a way that was entertaining and uh, uh, enabled you to enjoy your journey. Uh, to the bottom of the sea if you've been watching along or to i don't know prestatin wherever you're going if you're listening to this in your car enjoy the destination i hope i've made your journey uh slightly less tedious than it might have been right thanks try and think of a way to end this toby that 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 means you don't do another tedious monologue where you get to the end of and realize you haven't ended it then all right that's the end the end. That's the end of the Sea Devils. Go away. I'm getting into my hovercraft and I'm sailing into the sunset. Thank you ever so much for listening to Happy Times and Places, which is presented by me, Toby Haydock. This episode's special guest, Steve Hatcher, is on Twitter at Stephen with a PH underscore Hatcher. And among his many talents, he is the organiser of the Hooverville Convention in Derby. And if you've never been, really do avail yourself of the opportunity. And he does the big finish days as well. Always terrific events, very well run, with a lovely atmosphere. I'd like to thank Steve and, of course, the many patrons who make these podcasts possible. And they include Jakob Lumley, Andrew Llewellyn, Andrew Lester, Neil Little, Pete Black, Hendrik Korzeniowski, Andy Kitching, Matthew Kilburn, William Keith, Judith Jackson, Christopher Joyce, Jessica Jones, Robert Jewell, Paul Ingerson, David Hughes, Darren Howard, Matthew Hewliston, Simon Hodges, Stephen Hill, Legion Henderson, Paul Hayes and Ronald Hayden. The music is by Dave Gates and the artwork by Dylan Patterson. Oh, a little bit of something extra. I spent much of the last two episodes going, I know loads of fascinating things about Martin Body, who plays uh, Walker, the awful uh, MP, uh, and then failing to re- tell you any of them, because it was vague in the back of my head. I'm sure there are interesting things. Um, and I got them all from Ian Hogg, the actor who plays Josiah in Ghostlight. Um, so I've emailed Ian, and just in time for releasing this, he's emailed me back very kindly uh, with his memories of working with Martin Body. I remember him, says Ian, very well as a very upright and right-thinking Englishman who fought in the Second World War. In the Air Force, I think. He had a magnificent voice and was in the middle of training in Bel Canto with intentions to make his way in the world of opera. The six years of war put an end to these hopes and he went into acting. He was in dozens of English films and... I stood at the right shoulder of John Mills. I was one of the wartime veterans brigade. 
I founded the Lord's Taverners Cricket Elite. He was the very figure of an officer and a gentleman, but with a twinkle in his eye. I played Henry V at Birmingham Rep, and he played my uncle Exeter. He was marvellous, I thought. We shared a dressing room, and he often looked at his face in the mirror and mused out loud to me. I was shocked and fascinated by what he said. He looked at his reflection and said, Look at him, Ian. Would you think a face like that would be asked to sing the Lord's Prayer backwards at Alistair Crowley's funeral? Would you? He looked at me and put a finger to his lips, winked and smiled at me. Fact or fiction? Ian Hogg, you are so ready to believe me. Too ready, dear boy, for your own good. I'd never do such a thing. He was a treacherous sod, though I did have a magnificent voice. They should never have thought I would do it. I met the man after a broadcast. We were having a farewell drink at the glue pot, the local pub. Strange times, dear boy. I'd never sing for his prayers for him, treacherous sod. I met Dylan Thomas there, too. Wit and weirdness prevailed. High old times, dear boy, all on the third programme. Most interesting work in those times, that and the cricket. I was very fond of him, says Ian. My uncle Exeter indeed. If you want to find out more about Alistair Crowley, read Colin Wilson's biography, The Nature of the Beast. Then you'll realise what a shock it was to hear Martin come out with this tale. He had a twinkle in his eye, so I don't know if it's true. Martin was a great companion and a true man of honour. So there you have it. Uh, I thought the story was that he sang at Alistair Crowley's funeral. The real story is that maybe he was asked to because he was such a fine singer. Um, but as Ian says, fact or fiction, nonetheless, jolly. And uh, nice to remember Martin Body. Ah, oh, well, uh, that was The Sea Devils. If you enjoyed that and would have liked to have heard it six months ago, then become a patron. Because uh, you, whenever you're listening to this, oh, it's old news in Patronsville. They're probably listening to, uh, I don't know, who have I got coming out? They're listening to, probably listening to Annie Wallace from Hollyoaks talking about Planet of the Spiders or, or Steve O'Brien talking about Black Orchid while you've been listening to me and Steve waxing lyrical about uh, the Sea Devils. So go to Patronsville, which is at... Uh, www.tobyhadoke.com forwards no that's not true at all that's that's my that's my website address oh i'm losing my marbles i'll tell you what go to itunes and give this five stars and a splendid review that will make me very happy but if you do want to become a patron go to patreon.com forward slash tobyhadoke uh, where you can, for as little as £3 a month, get bonus material, early releases, all sorts of other goodies, including every Tuesday a picture of my dog. Um, and that may sound rubbish, but people seem to like it more than they like me. Um, so that's uh, at Patreon, uh, where you get a £10 discount if you sign... No, a 10% discount if you sign up for a year. Um, but look, I know uh, commitments like that are very tricky these days with the financial world being what it is. You can go to ko-fi.com forward slash Toby Haydoke uh, and give a one-off donation if you would prefer or if you'd like to. Or, as I say, just a review and five stars would be lovely.
Great voices. I love those. Um, I really enjoyed that. I hope you did too. It's a real... There is something to be said. I'm, I think I'm being all meaningful because I've just... Or smug because I've run 10 kilometres and I'm feeling a bit peppy. Um, but I think it, it plays into, doesn't it? The, um, the thing about watching a story with positivity in mind. Because um, I think... And I'm so prone to it. I, I, I was talking to a friend about this the other day. Well, actually, one of the... A patron who I was asking for a little advice. Hello, guy. About you know about how we we approach stuff. And he said, you know, you always say you're a glass half empty, Toby, but you you know you try and spread a bit of happiness, uh, and it's true. But I said, so, but I'm and I think you know sometimes it might be oh god, being positive, uh, you know, all happy clappy. I'm not at all. I'm always fighting against my natural inclination to be to be pessimistic. And I think in the back of my head, I'm hugely pessimistic. But I think there's no point in transmitting that to others because that just brings them down. Um, uh, and, and I actually think, you know, watching these Doctor Who stories, um, looking for the joy in them um, has has greatly enhanced my my view of them. So, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping you're enjoying that. I mean, I, I could tear them all to shreds if I wanted to and have great fun doing it. But um I uh, I've I've enjoyed the fact that I've I mean even though I've been talking all the way through them but I I think I've enjoyed the Sea Devils and I've recently done the Dominators as uh, as much as I've ever enjoyed them in the past and that's maybe as well because I'm checking in with a mate you know before and and afterwards too and it connects us to people oh god this is dreary happy sorry I'm gonna I'm gonna go and nip over to GB News now to see what everyone's moaning about just to just to remind me that actually the world is gonna be pretty grim. But if we could make this corner of it all right, then I think we should. Even if it, I was going to say, even if it's only in the post-credits bit. That, but that, but uh, no, the post-credits bit is usually just a little bit of fourth wall breaking and uh, moaning in it. Um, anyway, there we go. Hope you're well. La-di-da. Um, <laughs> I'm going to regret this. Oh, Bernard heard somebody at the door. I better go and see who that is. And on that cliffhanger, ta-ta. Shush, Bernard.